0: Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening. You are listening to The Shift. I am your host, Doug McKenty. This is the 25th episode of The Shift. It's being recorded on January 25th, 2018. If you like what you're listening to, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash theshift. If you want to find out more, you can always go to Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter, at D. or for archives and other information about the show, check out www.theshiftnow.com. In today's episode of The Shift, I am happy to introduce returning guest Janice Barcelo, author of Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. She is here today to discuss her complimentary work, a DVD presentation entitled Human Sexuality, Pornography, and the Attack on Human Love. Because of the direct correlation between sex and the creation of life, it can be no surprise that the same occult forces behind modern birth practices, uh, resulting in traumatic experiences with dissociative effects, have also worked to cultivate a sexual culture promoting lust and ephemeral pleasure over love, real intimacy, and the stability of long-term relationship. In her work, Janice chronicles the history of elite manipulation of our sexuality for the purpose of weakening the individual and with the intention of destroying the sanctity of the family unit. By reducing love to lust and emphasizing pleasure over responsibility, a Luciferian elite have managed to build a large-scale control grid over the mass of humanity, creating a system of enslavement and dependence, and separating the bulk of humanity from our natural path, utilizing the creative spark that makes each of us who we are. Thank you so much, Janice Barslow, for agreeing again to be on the program, and thank you so much for helping to make the shift. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you, Doug, and I'm glad to be here and to be able to share this information with people. These topics are so important, you know, for us to reclaim our... Ability to love and our ability to create healthy families our ability to to create joyful lives It's really been undermined through um, the social engineering of human sexuality and the way that we're giving birth to our children Conceiving and giving birth to our children. So it's great to talk about this stuff. I'm glad to be here
0: Yeah, I appreciate it and I and right now as of the 25th episode You're the first person I've had come on twice because I to me I, I really hear Uh, The importance of this topic, not just the birth trauma that we talked about last time, but then, you know, the corresponding attack on sexuality as well. Um, It's just like I was reading, I was rereading my introduction before I... uh, I got on Skype with you and I was, you know, reading the one sentence about the the large scale control grid. And I thought, God, that's a huge statement. Like, I can see a lot of people just going, oh, that, no, you know, there's no way that they can do this. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it really is true. I mean, our sexuality and our birth process is something that we all have and we all go through. And really, if you start thinking a little bit deeper about it, of course, The elite class is going to be concerned with controlling that aspect of us, because if you can control our sexuality, then you control, you know, who we are, who we are at our core. And of course, as we discussed last time, controlling the birth process, um, you know, starts that path, that kind of trauma based path of mind control where you're already at a young age separated from your mother the bonds of the family already broken and already being prepared to be set up for a lifetime of seeking out the authority figure, you know, instead of knowing that you and your family are the authority in your life, (laughs) which is, of course, a threat to the hierarchy. So anyway, I wanted you to maybe start out by talking about sex and birth and why it is so important to the elite and why they focus so much attention on it and how it it actually does create this psychological control grid that I was talking about.
1: You know Doug, I guess the first thing that enters my mind when you bring up this question of course is the fact that they are Luciferians, um, the people who are responsible for orchestrating all of this manipulation of human sexuality and the manipulation of um, the birth process and also the what we call prenatal care this is all the whole medical system is controlled by these very very evil forces mm. and the fact is if they can get us to conceive and gestate and birth our babies in the image of a luciferian design then they've harnessed the souls Of many of the beings that are coming into earth coming into our dimension and of course this is the goal which is to um, separate us from the real creator to separate us from our capacity to love to separate us from our capacity to build um, enduring unions you know unions that are based on authentic love instead of lustful uh, sexual attraction. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing basically when they are attempting to socially engineer sexuality is going for the jugular. They're attacking the consciousness that we bring to the creation of children. And then once they've done that damage and getting so many children to be conceived haphazardly, for example, and so many children gestating in wombs where they're not wanted or children being murdered while they're in the womb, um, you know, satanically sacrificed to these forces. Okay. This is very dark stuff. And it's, it's heavily influencing the ones that are making it through. Okay, it's also influencing the ones that are being murdered, Mm -hmm. okay? Because you are being murdered in the womb. What these entities are trying to do is snatch the souls of these children. They're doing all kinds of rituals, all right? They're murdering children in the most brutal and horrific ways. While they're in the womb, also while they're in the neonatal intensive care units, they're doing horrific, horrific things to these children and it's always a form of slow torture. It's always an extended form of death. They're also doing this to the elderly, you know, getting them on the way out, getting the elderly to really suffer for a decade or more through all of their toxic treatments, right? These these people become invalids, basically, before they end up in the hospitals and get, get murdered, basically, in the hospitals as well. And the souls are being harvested and being harnessed, mm-hmm. right? The dark forces, even this whole um, organ donation thing. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to go into this too deeply, but they're literally torturing people to death in the organ harvesting process, yes? Right. These people... So, the whole extent of this is a Luciferian attack on mankind. It's a spiritual attack, and it is absolutely for the jugular of grabbing at souls, Mm -hmm. right, trying to get us on the way in and on the way out so that we can reincarnate again and again back into a Luciferian matrix and be programmed to accept this as normal. None of it's normal. Right. (laughs) It's It's all horrific, and people are suffering terribly, and the children are suffering badly. Children have never been this sick or this messed up psychologically, emotionally. This, you know, being born to parents who do not love them, who cannot love them. I mean, there's just tremendous, tremendous pain happening here. It starts with conception. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're controlling, trying to control sexuality. And they've done a very good job. They really have, because the overwhelming majority of children being conceived right now are being conceived as a side effect of fleshy indulgence. In other words, they're not being conceived because two people are interested to create life, two people are interested to get off, and the children come in as a side effect. You see, so they're already chopped off from the creator's design. Mm -hmm. The creator's design is all about love, conscious union, the conscious creation of life. Yes. Making sure that we're with somebody that we love, making sure we're bringing our bodies together in love for the purpose of creating life so that children will be created in love and in the image of the creator instead of in the image of of Lucifer. And of Lucifer's design. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that make
0: sense? Well, it does. I mean, it sounds really far out, and I, I think there's a couple of different levels to it. And on a on a simpler level, it's just a matter to me of control. And then on the energetic level, talking about the Luciferian, the Luciferianism, and this sort of, uh, I think there is an energetic level where they're feeding off of these negative emotions. But just on a on the material level, I mean, they are controlling the mass of you. I mean, I I feel like. You know, whether or not you're even a person who's capable of taking it to the energetic plane, I think it's fairly obvious to me that even if you just stop at the at the level of economics, say, and you say, well, look, I mean, how many of us are debt slaves right now to this system? So what's really going on? And then we get deeper and deeper into it and you find, well, how do they, you know, so we have this system of control that is debt slavery, And then when you get deeper and deeper into it, you're like, well, how do why is it that we're all complicit in this system of control? You know, why do they let these few people do this to us? And that's where what you're talking about really starts to make sense to me, which is they have refined over thousands of years through this, you know, spiritualistic ritual that they've cultivated over this long period of time, how to control a massive population. And of course, the way, you know, the most fundamental part of everybody's. Uh, everybody's personality is their relationship with their sexuality. And then if that has a direct correlation with the, you know, the, the babies, the new life that they're creating and bringing into the world and being able to separate that whole process from the family unit and from what you're describing as love, for me, it really helps to think about, I mean, to really try to empathize, I think, with the children. If you can get in... Now,
1: something, because This is very important. When you say... You know, the most important thing is our relationship to our sexuality, okay? In my, in my mind, in my being, the most important thing is my relationship to the creator and my relationship okay. to creation. Mm-hmm. This is what distinguishes me from many people who are very interested in their sexuality and the fact that they've gotten us all interested in our sexuality, our sexual identities and all of this bullshit. It's total nonsense. It's total crap. Okay. This does not, this does not have anything to do with really our purpose for existence, whether we're going to be, having our genitals removed and having fake genitals put on and claiming we're something that we can never be and dressing as the opposite sex or, uh, you know, or engaging in sodomy because we've been sodomized as children and we've been programmed to engage in this very foul form of, of sexual behavior that has nothing to do with the divine design. Okay. This is just totally so far off from what should be what, where our focus of attention is. Right. Which is in understanding the Creator, understanding the Creator's design, understanding our place in creation, how we can contribute to the fulfillment of the divine dream, how we can bring children into this dimension in a field of love and raise children who will be happy, you know, who will have a connection with the divine mind. These are the things that really matter, not sex, mm-hmm. not our sexuality. Okay, our sexuality is completely superficial and completely engineered at this point. And it's com- it's, it's totally Luciferian right. to focus on this as something that's, that's uh, that defines us, who we're going to have sexual pleasure with, <laughs> you know, and how we're going to do that.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: It's so ridiculous and how superficial and lame.
0: right. I guess what I was trying to get at and I and I definitely hear you, though, it's and I have been thinking about this in terms of my own way of talking about it, because as I was listening to your um, to your DVD presentation, I kind of I mean, I find out that I, you know, I've been caught up in a lot of this as well. Of course, I mean, I, we, we all are going to be interested in sex growing up and trying to figure it out. And so I think that's where it's easy to fall into this this trap of thinking about it um
1: See the assumption is that we're all going to be interested in sex. Why are we all not interested in love? Why are children being given a sex education as opposed to an education about how to have a healthy relationship? About how to preserve love in your families about how to become good parents. Why are we? So focused on sex because we are programmed This is a program Mm -hmm. We would not be so interested in sex if we were not being programmed through the media, through the schools, through the music industry. Okay, that is what's driving the uh, teenage obsession with sex. Mm -hmm. Of course, pornography is a huge player.
0: Right. I mean, it is, it's just the, it's a very powerful life force. And so it's something that is easily manipulated by the elite in order to, well, program us to be spending a lot of time uh, on this materialistic level and not paying attention to the emotional level. um,
1: The spiritual level. The spiritual
0: level, exactly.
1: If you can get people to focus on their base carnal impulses... Then the, the higher mind is not going to come into play because you're operating from a very low energetic field. Mm-hmm. You know, it is that you're never going to be um, asking the right questions or even directing your attention to what really matters. And this is the this is the game. And you know what? You're never going to find happiness when you direct your attention to sex. Right. It's it's completely.
0: Well, it is as you describe. It's it becomes the the addicts relationship. It's a compulsive behavior instead of a, a holistic life affirming behavior or process of creating the new a new life in a healthy way. Um, and it it actually, I mean, as I was listening to this, I mean, I think about how the elite class do this on so many levels. I mean, they get you addicted to sugar. They get you addicted to other drugs. They control. I mean, it's the classic mechanism of control to take this basic life impulse and then figure out how to how to manipulate it for purposes of control so that they have power over us. And instead of us having power over ourselves, now they have the power. They can flood us with pornography and, you know, twist us to where we don't have uh, strong family associations anymore or, you know, healthy relationships uh, with our, with people of the opposite sex, um, I mean, you talk a lot about how uh, after the process of, of going through the sex education and the way we're all acculturated into this kind of base, lustful form of sex, then we have what you described as dissociative sex. Instead of feeling connected, we're actually feeling more separated during the process. And, and it just, you know, it's like a downward spiral. Instead of creating strong families with healthy children... You know, it's just splitting us more and more apart.
1: Well, the interesting thing about that, too, is that there's so many people right now having sex um, with images of other people in their minds, not the one that they're even having sex with. Right. Okay. So, yeah, you you are not engaging in an act of love. I don't care how expanded and multiple (laughs) the organ news there's something really dark going on
0: well this is something I wanted to bring up with you you talk a little bit about your own sexual history in the in the DVD and so because when we start talking about this and it's funny I mean I'm 45 myself now I have two kids you get a little bit older you get a little bit more mature it's almost as if you it sounds like we're having a puritanical conversation about sexuality but I don't think that's really the angle where you're going for like I I know that when I was younger, you know, I felt like there was something about sexual liberation that was, well, I mean, you know, like I was thinking about the Scarlet Letter today. Like, you know, as opposed to that type of sexual repression, I think, in fact, this is something maybe we could talk about. Like, sexual repression used to be a way I feel like that our sexuality was controlled 500 years ago, 400 years ago and now it seems almost like it's gone in the other direction where they're they're promoting this um you know this more base materialistic lustful like eliminating the morality i just i do you understand what i'm trying to ask like it's not a puritanical no. conversation that we're having it's just a, it's just a more of a I, I don't know like a you know a different way of looking at sex or a more loving way of looking at sex than the, this type of, 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 this way that we're being socially engineered currently?
1: This whole idea of sexual repression uh, it actually comes from a particular cult that enjoys attacking Christianity. Mm-hmm. Christianity has a specific moral code, or it did before it was infiltrated by members of this other cult. But the moral code is basically that you um, that Intercourse, in particular, is for the purpose of creating life uh, within a marital union. And that has been perceived and promoted as sexual repression, as repression of mankind when when we are channeling our life-creating potential into the creation of life Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the partner that we love. Okay, I'm not so sure that that's repression myself. Okay. I think it's actually there's there's a lot of spiritual wisdom in in directing that energy toward the creation of life, and we can see that when we separate that energy from creating life, okay? There's a series of consequences when we have sex without being open to life, and I'm gonna let me let me read you through this list, okay? okay. So that people can really get a sense of the impact of what happens when we separate sex from creating life, okay? Then we have a culture of premarital sex, teen pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, okay, out-of-wedlock births, unwanted children, single parents fatherless children, abortion, countless loveless unions. Okay, they're totally lust-based. There's a lack of parent-child bonding, big time. A culture of adultery and divorce. And then we have more extreme perversions of incest, child molestation, homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality, pornography, sex and porn addiction in 10-year-olds, sexualized children, and a low birth rate, which means we are dying out. And this is all the result of having sex Separate from the creation of life. These are the social results of this kind of behavior. All right, now that's clearly an indication that we have deviated from the divine program when all of these horrific things are happening as a result of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop with the focus on sex and start paying attention to love, to what will, you know, no matter, we have been taught to substitute orgasm for authentic and enduring human love. What everyone needs, really, what everyone deeply wants is an enduring union, right, A partnership that's based in loving support and kindness. That people are traveling a path, a a moral path together that they agree upon. Right. They share common goals and common visions for the future. They have a bond. And they create life. And the creation of that life bonds them even more. That's not happening right now. Okay, the creation of life... These couples are separating before the baby's even born. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All right, this baby's coming in completely separated from the divine program because of what the parents have done, because of the consciousness of the parents, because the parents are under mind control and have believed that having a lot of sex is good. That sexual pleasure is the main thing, right? It's what everybody really wants. The more orgasms, the better, right? The more orgasms you have, the better the life you're going to have. It's bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Completely. The only way to have a happy life, really, is to, number one, align your life with the creator's design, with the creator's love-filled program, understand how to manifest a love in your life that is real that is authentic that is enduring create children who are conceived and gestated and birthed in love understand how to create a happy family and how to preserve love in your family and how to build a culture based on strong families we have the opposite right now our and our culture is dying our societies are dying Mm-hmm. They're completely falling apart. The birth, the birth rate of the white race in particular is in the tubes. And this is a very sad fate because the white race has brought many, many important things to our planet.
0: Well, it's pretty amazing um, at the damage that you're seeing and what you're talking about right now. I mean, just even in terms of on the surface level of the bonding We've talked a lot about you know separating babies from their mothers. Obviously, when the father is and the and the parents split up and the father's not around, uh, and then just on that level alone, it's causing so much psychological damage not to have two parents there together raising a child. Uh, and then you can go on down with the type of abuse uh, you know that you you were listing earlier. <laughs> uh, that it gets much, much worse than that into, into pedophilia and sexual abuse. And I mean, just so many anger issues and lots of yelling and screaming. And, um, it's just not an environment to raise a child and that you end up with generations of, of people essentially suffering from post-traumatic stress. Not even, I mean, you know, not even talking about all of the wars that have happened (laughs) that, you know, are piling post-traumatic stress on top of this, but just in the way that we're raising our kids. I mean, it's absolutely insane.
1: In the way that we're bringing our kids in and also in the pain that they endure when they're being born to parents who don't love each other, who are in a false union. All right. The children sense the lie from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and then they can never trust anything their parents say because they realize their parents are even lying to themselves. Right. Okay. And these are the same parents who are handing their kids over for circumcision, vaccination, you name it. Okay, these parents are so far gone that they cannot—they cannot even bring their moral compass into the raising of children. Or uh, none of their instincts to protect their children are intact. We've got a very serious problem right now, and this has all been very well orchestrated and designed. And it starts with controlling sex, as we—as we've said.
0: Right. Well, let's get into the history now. Um, You know, we talked about the the Rockefeller Medicine as being uh, kind of the the beginning of the birth trauma and the creation of this kind of modern birth medical system. Um, And now I know that you describe in detail how the Rockefeller Foundation also is funding the Kinsey Institute and is primarily responsible you know, for promoting this entire sexual culture and, and, um, committing this, this type of social engineering on the rest of us. So you want to get into that a little bit so people get the history and understand, I mean, it is just crazy to understand that it is something that is being done to us, you know,
1: it is being done to us and it is being orchestrated by a very evil force. The Rockefellers are of course minions for this very, very dark force, um, And when the Rockefellers took over the medical system, okay, this is part of how the medical Um, control of birth has occurred is through Rockefeller funded medicine but also the Rockefellers as you said funded what's called sex research Mm. (laughs) in the United States and the reason that they did this and the reason that they funded Kinsey who was a psychopath is because they have an understanding they're Luciferians and they have an understanding of the importance of the consciousness that we bring to our sexual behavior Luciferians engage in orgies as part of their religion. Okay? They are involved in raping children as part of their ceremonies. They're involved in murdering children as part of their religious ceremonies they're involved in the consumption of their blood and their body parts this is all part of luciferianism and satanism okay these people have a goal to turn all of us toward lucifer and toward their one world religion and their one world order Mm -hmm. that's what they talk about with the new world order it is a luciferian order All right, so it was very important for them to get us into alignment with the Luciferian conception of sexuality so that we would be comfortable moving into the Luciferian order and doing what they do when it comes to having sex. Does that make sense?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you talked about a little bit in the in the presentation about, you know, uh, eventually normalizing pedophilia uh, yes. because they they use the pedophilia in their rituals, as you're talking about. And so I, it seems like what they're doing behind closed doors in terms of the this this uh, this ritualistic kind of behavior is something that they want maybe eventually to bring out into the light of day and have everyone just participate in it. Um,
1: Many, many people already are participating in it. That's the sad thing.
0: Well, even if they don't know it, right? I mean, if they don't, it may not be as ritualized as, as at the you know, an elite Illuminati setting or at the Bohemian Grove or you know, whatever. But, but they are. You're right. I mean, you can see it happening in the last hundred years. You know, this type of behavior is just occurring everywhere all the time because people are starting to think of it as no big deal.
1: I mean, I saw it happen in my own life, Doug, as I talk about in the DVD series, I saw I mean, I was heavily under mind control as well, um, and I believed all the nonsense about the you know how great it is to have multiple sexual partners and how important the orgasm is and i was I was reared by a culture that taught me if I present myself as a sexual object right? Then I'll be more likely to find love. I really believe this. If I showed up in the world as a really sexy, you know, voluptuous um, woman, then I would attract love. In other words, the belief of many women today in the way that they act, in the way that they dress is if I can get a man to believe that I can uh, provide him with a pleasing sexual experience, right? Then that man will love me, Mm -hmm. because we have no understanding of love, that's for sure, because of how we're being conceived and gestated and (laughs) birthed, okay, so we have no physiological memories of authentic love, in fact, most of us are conceived uh, haphazardly through carnal-based activity, to people wanting to get off, so this is a foundational thing, and what we're imprinted with then is not love, it's with carnality, and it's, it's compounded over time. So I also, you know, when I lived in Maui, I had come out of the sexual repression mm-hmm. right, into the sexual liberation uh, of Hawaii, where I was literally, I was a fire dancer when I lived in Hawaii, and I had no qualms whatsoever about dancing completely naked, fire dancing, okay? Okay. In front of hundreds of people, and acting in in very erotic ways to sexually arouse people. All right, I considered myself a sexual priestess. In fact, I was so mind controlled that I was I had done um, an initiation process into the mysteries of Mary Magdalene, and I was taught that Mary Magdalene was a sexual priestess or a sacred prostitute. Mm-hmm. And so, as a Christian. Okay, I wanted to emulate, of course, the person I had come to believe was the bride of Christ. Now, we got to understand the Luciferian lies that I was fed and that people are still being fed about Magdalene being a sexual priestess and all, you know, being the bride of Christ and having his children and, you know, all of this stuff is out there right now, and I believed it, and I wanted to be part of it. Yes, so I became a sexual priestess so that I could help men heal through sexual healing.
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> okay? Yeah. And I really believe this, Doug.
0: I mean, I know I know the line. I, You know, I've read about this stuff, and I get it, and I don't, you know, it's interesting, actually, to kind of like... I mean, I, I, you know, I feel like there is still something to this path, but, and I'm listening to you and I'm trying to like, <laughs> under, understand the two because, you know, because, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I totally agree with you that it, it doesn't get you anywhere in, in your life. I mean, you can experiment with hell. it. I've seen it. A, got me to hell. yeah. It
1: got straight to hell. Right. I'm telling you, and I was trapped there. Mm for like 15 years, it really, really, it was a very, very dark time Mm. in my life. When I was in Hawaii, as beautiful as Hawaii is, as much as I love Hawaii, it's one of the darkest places um, in terms of the sorcery that's going on there, and in terms of just the level of Luciferian vampire energy that's coming through the sexual behavior, you know, there's tantricas and zuckinis, and all of the all of this energy mm-hmm. is all over Hawaii. The the reckless, disgusting acts of sexual depravity. You know, you can go to beaches in Hawaii where people are having sex in the woods, especially homosexuals, where there's condoms and stuff all over the ground. I mean, it's just the most disgusting, vulgar, repulsive, looking back at it now mm-hmm. and understanding how luciferian that is and extremely dark and evil. Uh, it's a mystery to me how I, I did not see that when I was in it. That's how deep the mind control was. And I really didn't begin breaking out of it for a long time. You know, maybe at least 10 years of being deep in it. Right. Being deep in that lie of the Magdalene, the priestess. You know, I wasn't a priestess that whole time, but I was deep in these lies and deep into presenting myself as a sexual object, being as sexy as I could, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, really very very bad and i never had more pain in my life
0: well i mean you know and i can't i have to agree with you that level of objectification i mean i went through a similar period where i wanted it to be good um and now i mean that i'm older and i have kids i realize that the good is what you're talking about is the family and the love that you build with a person and that you know the sexuality is not it's just a It's like a compulsive behavior, no matter how, quote unquote, liberated you become or you think you are, you know, it's still just a compulsive behavior. You actually have to control and be responsible with your sexual energies in order to be happy in life. It's just the way it is, you know, (laughs) you can try, you keep on trying, you know, (laughs) but it's not going to (laughs) work. It occurs
1: to me also the desperation that's involved in, in um, all of this sexual, mm-hmm. this grotesque sexual behavior. When I would go to tantra workshops in Maui, because everything's about tantra, you know. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be sacred sexuality. I mean, the level of disgusting stuff that was happening, mm-hmm. I can't even, I don't even want to talk about how gross it was. You can feel it as I'm speaking of it, though. Mm-hmm. I hope you can feel how sickening. Uh, this this is and there's no there's going to be no happiness there there's going to be no true love there there's going to be just a desperate desperate attempts to try to get to love Mm -hmm. through all of this filth and that's where you know that's what I've come through you know there's all this this science coming out right now too, you know about the more partner, the more sexual partners that women have, the less likely they're going to be to be able to manifest a stable union. Mm. There's all kinds of physiological responses that women's bodies have to multiple partners, such as sperm. They they develop killer sperm. When a man enters a vagina of uh, that, that has been previously entered and uh, another man has released his sperm into that into that body orifice that the next man will develop what's called kilosperm. and the kilosperm come in to kill the opponent's sperm hmm. okay and this creates a chronic state of uh bacteria in the woman's vagina that creates vaginosis and all of these really strong infections, chronic yeast infections, all of these things that are happening as a result of the fact that we have violated the natural order in what we're doing. Right. And it, it's harming us. And the same thing. I mean, for men, you know, men believe that they can have multiple partners, and it's no problem. And they're being taught through science that um, they're they're made that way. You know, the more, the more um, people you have your penis in, and you release your sperm into, the more likely you are to reproduce children. And this is a very good thing. Right. Okay, the truth is, the truth is, evolutionarily speaking, when Your penis enters a female vagina, okay? Both bodies understand that something major is happening here, okay? And there's all kinds of neurochemical and physiological things that go on intended to bond you to that one that you are now merging with. Right. Bodies. So for men, they produce a hormone called vasopressin. Okay, during intercourse, which they're going to begin to see that woman in another way. They're going to be, if, even if they were wanted to put a bag over her head before they had sex with her, suddenly she's going to begin to look more pretty. Yeah. Okay, this is, this is intended to create bonding, and that's what our bodies are doing. Okay, the other thing that people should know is that the first person that a woman has intercourse with the first man who releases his dna into her body her eggs will absorb some of that dna okay this is called telogeny and and that man's dna will affect the progeny of her children whether or not she is conceiving them with other men So these children will have DNA from the first partner, especially the first partner. Women's bodies are changing constantly with every partner that releases their DNA into their bodies. And telogeny is the process by which we will have children that that have some DNA definitely from our first partner. plus the DNA from whoever we're really fathering the child with. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. (laughs) What does that tell you? Okay? That tells us that the first partner is extremely important. And here, you know, we're being conditioned to think it doesn't matter. Slap on a condom, do whatever you do, you know, have as many partners as you want, it's all okay. Right. It's not okay. (laughs) <laughs> We're violating the divine program in an enormous enormous way, and it is heavily influencing.
0: Yeah, I mean what I, you know one of the things that you talked about um, kind of initially in the conversation is that we all are seeking, I think and it, this is just everybody knows that they're seeking a love union. And all of this sexual activity is just getting us farther and farther away. This compulsive sexual activity is actually preventing this love union from happening. And the longer and the more generations that this is going on, the more that we even, you know, genetically or intergenerationally are forgetting how to do it. I mean, I don't think anybody really... It's like amazing to think about that we're being conditioned into this very materialistic version of sex. Um... Without any of the emotional component and, you know, uh, and the more important longstanding, the, the aspects to it that create family, healthy family and long-term relationships. And we're just being conditioned into this very materialistic form. The farther we're getting away from what we're actually, from what everybody knows that they want. And, um, I, you know, I, again, done, this is done purposefully because the more. You know, the more that we're seeking what we can't have, I think the more easily manipulated we are on so many other levels uh, f- from the elite class.
1: Yeah, that strikes me as you're talking that we're so manipulated that we many people would not even recognize love if it came into their life because they've been so conditioned to be driven by the lustful impulse, to mm-hmm. be driven. by Appearance of somebody or whether that person is you know got them sexually aroused or you know that they're interested in having sex but they wouldn't recognize love you know love is a different energy love is a um it's an energy where you're going to feel totally safe yes where you're going to feel completely embraced where you can have prolonged hugging without any sexual energy coming up whatsoever, Mm -hmm. just being melting into the embrace of a hug, okay? Most people wouldn't recognize this as the potential for love, okay? Because they're looking for the sexual charge. Mm -hmm. And they they think that that's love. Most people stay in relationships because the sex is good. And they think if the sex is good, then that must really be love
0: yeah i mean i'm even thinking about it now that i i'm hearing you talk i think a lot of people are scared of love if it does come into their life they almost push it away because if you've been raised in a broken home and you're not used to you know that kind of um that kind of comfortability or that kind of stability you you just have lost the ability to trust that it can even happen for you i mean i've seen that you you know in relationships that i've observed is that you you want to try to create a loving relationship and you'll get pushed away because people are so scared. You know, I mean, this is a huge healing process, actually, that we all need to kind of go through if we're going to culturally, if we're going to heal from from what's really been going on. Um, all,
1: the wounds, all the wounds that we're carrying, you know, a song was coming into my head um it's a it's a song that's a number of years old, but it's like um, it's it's about two high school kids, and the girl is trying is singing to the boy like, um, "Can't you see that I'm the one for you?" You know, he's with this woman that wears high heels. The song is something like, "She wears high heels, I wear sneakers. She's cheer captain, and I'm on the bleachers." Mm-hmm. Thinking about the day when you wake up and find that what you're looking for has been here the whole time. Okay, he's with a girl that doesn't like the music he likes. They really have nothing to talk about. He's miserable all the time because she treats him like shit. Um, But she looks good, and she's she's the cheer captain. And here's this other one, who's like his best friend. Right. They have everything in common. Like the same music, they can talk for hours. And he doesn't see her. As a potential love. Mm -hmm. And this is what's going on all the time. Especially amongst young people, but even into adulthood, people do not see what's right next to them because they're looking for the object.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I think the more that I've been thinking about this, this reducing sexuality to, to materialism And it reminds me of, I've been thinking a lot about what science is to a lot of people. I mean, not that science can't be a useful tool, but it also has this tendency to reduce the world to a materialistic perspective. So there's no emotional connection with what's going on. Um, And this gets kind of back to, let's let's kind of talk about this, because I feel like there has been this... Uh, well, I mean, the, you know, the sexual revolution was driven by the, the Kinsey Institute, the Rockefeller Foundation, to create a scientific, like to scientifically validate promiscuity, essentially, and uh, objectification and this separation. And even,
1: pedophilia, even pedophilia.
0: Right. I mean, any you were describing uh, how the anything goes, bestiality, pedophilia. Hey, if it feels good, then, you know, go for it. And I thought it was funny you even described Kinsey d- died of a, a inflammation in his penis from all the stuff he was doing to himself. I mean, in his,
1: in his testicles. Yeah, yeah. He was insane. He was he was a sexual psychopath. You yeah. know, Kinsey Kinsey took a toothbrush and shoved it into his urethra. Okay, and filmed it for his pornography collection. Yeah. He also hung himself by his balls. He tied a rope around his his balls, right, one end of the rope around his balls and the other end of the rope around a pipe on the ceiling. And he stood on a chair and he jumped off. So he's got one hand on the rope, the other hand on his balls, and he's hanging by the pipe mm-hmm. from his balls. So he did some insane things.
0: Right, right. You
1: know, and he was very, he was a pedophile also. He, he was very drawn to young boys. And his research was involved the molestation of very young children, children as young as five months old for sure, because that's right there in one of his books is a chart of how many orgasms, quote unquote, that a five-month-old had in the, in a, a certain period of time. Right. Okay, So they were molesting children for Kinsey's research. And trying to prove that children were sexual, meaning carnal, from birth. And also to prove that children were homosexual.
0: Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And because it was under the rubric of this scientific experiment, you know, essentially child sexual abuse was allowed to go on. As if it was, you know, just for for somehow for the benefit of humankind or, you know, our our knowledge base or whatever. But, I mean, it really is outrageous to find out what this guy was doing and what they were experimenting with in the institution. And then this starts the sexual revolution. Um, You talk a little bit about Kinsey and his influence by Aleister Crowley, just to make the connection even to the Luciferian. I mean, Aleister Crowley obviously was involved deeply in that kind of spiritual work. Um, and this influences Aleister Crowley, and then that developed into Hugh Hefner and grew into the huge porn industry that's happening now. So you can see the line.
1: This was all at the same time. This was all orchestrated, okay? Now, Crowley, of course, was also a pedophile, and he, he, he abused children as part of his sex magic rituals. Oh. Uh, he's also thought to be one of Kinsey's pedophiles, right, that was molesting children and recording how many orgasms, whatever. The definition of orgasm is also insane. And this is all, by the way, in my double DVD set on uh, called Human Sexuality, Pornography, and the Attack on Human Love, which people can get at my website if you go to birthofanewearth.com. So you might want to get the double DVD set so you fully understand um, all of this because we're kind of skimming the surface here. But yes, so he was molesting children um, or not, maybe not Kinsey himself, but he was hiring pedophiles to molest children for his research and Crowley was thought to be one of the pedophiles. Um, where else, what else were you saying? Cause there was more I wanted to say about that.
0: Well, I thought we could get into then because Kinsey kind of gives it, you know, if you start with Alistair Crowley, who's doing this spiritual sex magic and then it becomes kind of verified or, or, uh, Uh, validated by Kinsey's science but then at the same time and Kinsey because it was scientific and he's writing his books kind of starts the sexual revolution but then at the same time then you've got Hugh Hefner and Playboy and then the pornography thing kind of grows out of this as well so
1: that's what I wanted to say so in 1953 Kinsey releases his book called something called like the sexual behavior of the human female Okay, in which he argues that women are basically like cats in heat. Okay, we walk around with our butts up in the air. All we want to do is be penetrated. All we want to do is have the orgasm, right? According to Kinsey's well-researched book, he researched and studied prostitutes and prisoners and (laughs) all kinds of very, very, you know, questionable women all right and he put this as his research but so that was part of convincing the world that women women don't care about creating an enduring loving union they don't care about creating families they just want to get off they want to have lots and lots of orgasms this is what women really want Mm -hmm. according to Kinsey's research this was published in 1953 the very same year Hugh Hefner arrives on the scene with the first issue of Playboy, citing Kinsey's research as the foundation for which we should permit pornography into our culture, because this is what women want. Women want to be sexualized. Women want to show up in the world as sexual objects. Women want to be sexual objects in fact it's their primary objective Mm -hmm. according to Kinsey now we have to understand also that there's a Luciferian model of love that goes with this and according to the Luciferian model of love love equals sex and lust okay love is carnal According to the Luciferian design, love can only be expressed by having sex. This is the Luciferian program. Okay, the only love we will ever feel is through sex, according to the Luciferian order. All other behavior is not love. Okay, it's premeditated actions, okay, that humans are taking in order to get something that they want. Mm Mm-hmm. An extreme expression of the Luciferian model of love is parents masturbating their own children in order to soothe them. Because, after all, that's the way that we show love is through sexual behavior. Right. Okay?
0: Right, all this other kind of behavior starts...
1: Excuse me. But I, I become so enraged when I talk about this. Because I can't believe how they've, the filth and the spitting on the creator's design that they have done and that they've promoted. I get very angry. Yeah. So excuse me for that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it is amazing the type of behavior that becomes justifiable when you reduce, you know, when you reduce love just to sexuality and then and and this anything goes behavior then all of a sudden you know anything goes with children anything can happen it's
1: you, you gotta understand too that this is how Luciferians raise their children when a child is desperate to be held when a child is desperate to be nurtured and the parent goes over and masturbates the child instead mm-hmm, okay right. to let the child know That there will never be any authentic love here. You will never be safe with us. You will never be nurtured. Okay, that's not going to happen if you're raised in a Luciferian family. The only thing you're going to get is an orgasm. And this is going to have to suffice. Because this is how they create psychopaths that will also become Luciferians. That will be happy to become Luciferians. This is called trauma-based mind control. These children receive no love. They receive no feeling of safety, no feeling of true comfort from their parents. doesn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, I, I kind of brought this up earlier, but we didn't really talk about it, but since you brought up this, you know, this creating sociopaths or psychopaths, which actually, I mean, anyone can see that this is on the rise and all of the therapists and you know have been talking about how there is more sociopaths and psychopaths today than there have been before. There's practically an epidemic of narcissistic behavior. Um, and then that even brings about more and more of a lack of empathy. I think in order to understand what we're talking about, I mean, one of the things that you talk about that I I think maybe the listeners, if they really think about what a fetus feels, like you have to empathize with the fetus in the womb to kind of get what you're talking about when you're talking about the kind of imprinting that's happening. I mean, there's nine months in the womb. What is that like for the fetus of, you know, a, a child that was conceived in love and was planned and is, you know, that mother is... Is working for nine months to create the ideal environment and the parents are both working together to create a stable place for the baby to come into versus that fetus that you know as soon as the mother finds out that she's pregnant she's thinking about whether or not she should get an abortion they're free you know she's freaked out because she didn't expect this and she doesn't know what she's gonna do uh, and then there's you know if the abortion doesn't happen and they, act, they have the baby there's still nine months of fear and worry and you know and then imagine that that and then the, the baby is born uh, cesarean section you know or you know if, with a mother that's drugged up and then there's even more I mean it just goes on and on um, and so you can just if you have the ability to empathize. You just look at it and you go, my God, this is horrible. You know, I don't want to do that to a, a little baby.
1: In denial so that we can continue having our sex. You right. see, So we'll pretend that none of this matters to the children. Let me just back up for a second because I want to bring up the work of Kurth Barker, um, B-A-R-K-E-R. And... Um, if you go to Kurth, K-E-R-T-H, Barker.com, he's written some important books because he himself was raised uh, to be part of a Luciferian cult. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the sexual conditioning, right, um, how they create psychopaths through this sexual uh, traumatizing of the children from infancy on, okay. Also, he talks about, which people should understand, he was raised as Kathy, when he was with members of the cult, he had a dress as a girl, he had to sexually service the adults while he was dressed as a girl, he was forced into pornography dressed as a girl. All of these things, this whole transgender thing, it is Luciferian, it is satanic to the very core. Okay, so they are trying to separate children from their core identity so that they will be more willing to conform to the Luciferian structure. It's part of the the mind control of children and creating alter identities. So I just wanted to say that Kurth's work has been instrumental in my understanding of how these people raise their children and what they're doing to the children. His work is very, very difficult to read because he's gone through so much and he talks about it and exposes a lot. A lot but if you want to learn you learn now coming back to the topic of prenatal trauma Mm -hmm. of being conceived by parents who don't love each other okay of being conceived in a lust based interaction all right or even being conceived by parents that are in a marital union who don't want a child but are just making love they're making believe that it's love is what they're doing but (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to say this, but that's the fact. And in comes a child that's not really wanted. And then even parents who are married are considering aborting their children. Now, as one of these children, myself, who was conceived haphazardly by teenagers, who didn't love each other really, okay, in the backseat of a car, at a drive-in movie theater, My mother was totally shamed for having gotten pregnant. She never thought of aborting because this was 1958. It wasn't after Roe v. Wade where abortion became normal. So abortion wasn't in the picture. But my mother was forced to marry my father. She didn't want to marry him. She cried when she found out she was going to have to marry him. My grandmother shamed her terribly. Okay, and I was not wanted. Neither of my parents were ready for me. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring this point home, okay? When you're in a womb, for the first six weeks, when you're conceived haphazardly, there's nobody there to greet you. You're alone, completely alone. I mean, you can communicate with God, so you're not alone. But there's nobody in the earth realm that's here to welcome you and say, we're really glad you're here. We can't wait to meet you, Mm -hmm. okay? So that's a wound in itself. Then, your mother finds out she's pregnant with you. And instead of saying, oh my God, I'm thrilled, I can't wait to meet you, welcome, you know, how every child deserves to be welcomed and wanted, instead you get a mother that says, oh shit. Now what am I going to do? Okay, I'm really screwed now. A mother that goes into depression or fear because you are there. A mother that has no concern for you whatsoever because she's overwhelmed with her own emotional experience. Mm -hmm. This is the child's first imprint of relationship is that discovery. It's called the discovery imprint, all right? If that discovery is anything less than a mother and a father being thrilled with the arrival of their child, then that child, as I did, is likely to suffer what's called discovery shock, all right? And discovery shock can get held in the lungs, Hmm. meaning the lungs are usually developing around this time. Okay, the lungs become wounded, and this child can grow up with asthma, chronic bronchitis, repetitive pneumonia, smoking addictions of all kinds. Right. All right, the smoking is a way to suck back the feeling of never feeling loved, of not being wanted. Now, these children, as I did, can develop a sense that we will never be loved that we are inherently unlovable, that something is inherently wrong with us, and this is why our parents don't love us or want us, Mm -hmm. because we have no evolutionary capacity to understand why our parents don't want us and don't love us. Therefore, it must be us, you see? There must be something wrong with us instead of what our parents have done. We don't have a way to understand that, what's happened is because our parents have been programmed to have sex in a very vulgar way and to create life in a way that is not connected to the divine program at all. And the children are suffering. Okay. These imprints will carry into the teenage years and into adulthood, where we can manifest one relationship after another that convinces us again and again that we are not lovable, that we'll never be loved, that there's something inherently wrong with us. Okay, it's, it's called traumatic repetition. We'll manifest partners who will bring up the very same feelings that we experienced in the womb only magnified. This is how important the womb experience is. And if I I could spend the next hour and a half or two hours going into every form of prenatal trauma, and it is extensive because of how we're conceiving and gestating our children. But the discovery imprint is very important. I've written about this in my book, Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine, which you can find on my website at birthofanewearth.com. And I recommend people read that book so you can understand this stuff. These imprints are very powerful in gestation and also during the birth process, as we've talked about.
0: Yeah, I think the more people, I mean, I'm just listening to you talk about this and that—and you're really explaining very well what I was hoping to get across, which is the more you can empathize with that little fetus, the more you understand that you've got to take this stuff really seriously. I mean, i you know... <laughs> Like, that's the important thing about this message. And I'm afraid that people have been, as you're talking about, they've been conditioned to sort of even objectify the fetus. Like, oh, are they even alive until they're actually born? I mean, we have this sort of cultural conversation.
1: Even the word fetus is an objectification. It implies that this is not a child, that this is something other. Other than a fully fledged human. Okay, yeah, and that's why this whole conversation. Are they really spiritually there? You know all this nonsense Right, no, and then babies don't feel pain. Oh, really? Okay, right. Sure. And people believe this shit. Yeah But you were you making a very important point please finish it I just wanted to say the word fetus needs to be eliminated because this is also part of the objectification This is a child Mm mm-hmm
0: well, I mean, that, and that's just it, isn't it? It's the objectification. It's the objectification of women. It's the reduction of sexuality to just base materialism. There's no emotional energy happening. And then there's no empathy for the, the baby when it comes into this world, you know, and the first nine months that it's in, uh, you know, that it's, that it's in utero. Um, you know, these are real emotional problems processes and experiences for the mother for the for the baby and for the father for that matter um and we're never we're never talking about this and this actually we're uh about an hour into this maybe go for another half hour if you've got the time but i wanted to spend some i want to spend some time talking about what pornography and pornography addiction does to people but maybe now is the time to get into how like sex education has fostered this objectification because in these sex education classes, we're teaching kids what nobody gets taught how to be involved in a healthy emotional relationship. I mean, they never talk about that. They talk about how to use a condom yeah. and they talk about different sexual positions, but yeah, go, yeah. go ahead.
1: Separate ourselves from our partner. See, this is, The adults who are teaching this of course have no concept of how to have a healthy relationship (laughs) right all right they're teaching this to teach to teach the children what they do how to have sex Mm -hmm. they don't know how to love they don't know what love is and this is part of the problem here they are teaching sex ed well hello why are we teaching five-year-old children why are we sexually arousing five-year-old children unless we're Luciferians yeah with images all right why are we teaching them about condoms what we're teaching talk about condoms okay because everybody talks about safe sex very important blah 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 you know what I say to young people all right if you're thinking of putting on a condom don't have sex okay putting on the condom means one of two things you're afraid you're going to get a disease or you're afraid you're going to create life either way You're having sex in fear, all right? If you think that person might convey a disease to you, what the hell are you doing having sex with that person, number one? Number two, if you don't want life, then you better learn to control that life-creating energy. Mm -hmm. You better stop believing the lie that you have no control over it. Right, and that's what they've been fed. Oh, we have no control over this energy. We have to just go with it. We have to be liberated and allow ourselves to just totally act out all of our carnal impulses, and especially for boys, because if they get aroused and you don't have sex at that point, you'll have blue balls and your whole penis will fall off. Right. God knows what will happen if you don't engage that energy, if you try to tame it Yeah. and get control of it. Okay? So when you put a condom on, number one, you're creating a boundary. You're separating yourself from your partner, okay? Number two, when you release this sacred life-creating potential into a piece of plastic or rubber, whatever they're made out of, and flush it down the toilet, or throw it in the garbage, you know what you're doing? You're saying to the creator, up yours. I don't care about your life-creating program. Mm -hmm. I could care less. All I want is to get off, and I spit on your life-creating program. I spit so much on it that I'll flush this this amazing potential for life down down the toilet. It's reprehensible what we're doing. And young people, 10, 11 years old, are being trained to do this in school. All right, and they're being trained in very manipulative ways, right, to put condoms on somebody's fingers. The girls are being taught to put condoms on the boys. I mean, they're being trained in ways that will arouse them. They're being shown images, pornographic images, more pornographic as they get older, but starting at five, starting in nursery schools, they're being taught about that, that they have a right to an orgasm a day. I'm not making this up. This is all in my talks on the sexualization of children. Yeah. Okay. For fathers, for men, It's so important to understand that what you are thinking about that woman that you're having sex with and what you are thinking about the sex you are having at the precise moment of ejaculation will go into the creation of your child. Your consciousness is in your sperm. Okay, whatever you're thinking about that woman, whatever you're thinking about that sex, if you're thinking of pornography, okay, this is going right into the creation of your child. Okay, now your child is being raised in a culture where they can access pornography 24-7 through cell phones that they're being given when they're 7, 8, 9 years old this all is because has been building and building and building but it's the consciousness of the father that has now got passed on to the child that whole pornographic thought is in the child mm-hmm. and will influence as it did mine okay i had no concept of authentic love I only had an imprint in my conception for a lust-based, really haphazard, sloppy sexual encounter. And and I repeat, in fact, the first time I had sex was in the backseat of a car. I reenacted my conception imprint. This is how deep it is with a man that I did not love. It was a man that I was with because I felt so insecure and desperate to have a relationship because I felt so unwanted and unlovable Mm -hmm. that I was with anybody, really, this, this person who acted like they wanted me, okay? But this is also what my mother experienced because she also felt unwanted.
0: Yeah, I mean, without real, authentic, deep healing, the cycles are just going to repeat. I mean, you've got to you've got to raise the consciousness, have an awareness of what's going on and then take an action to heal these cycles of violence or else, you know, of course. Right.
1: This is the insidious nature of trauma, you see, Mm -hmm. is that it does repeat itself. And it escalates with each generation. It gets worse. You know what we do? Let's say you're me, okay, and you're you're conceived um, you're conceived by people that don't love each other, and you know your parents are fighting all the time, and your father treats your mother terrible, all that stuff, okay? Yeah. What happens is when you become a teenager, then you're going to attract somebody like that, that will also treat you terrible. Okay, but what you're trying to do, it's not because we're masochistic, okay? Really what we're trying to do is we're trying to turn that person into somebody that will love us. Okay, so we're going to turn this abuser now, ideally, into somebody that will love us and be kind to us, and then we'll heal the original trauma. Mm -hmm usually doesn't work out that way
0: (laughs) it doesn't usually work out
1: (laughs) you just compound the trauma but I want people to understand that this is what we're trying to do we're always trying to work the trauma out and to return the system to love but unless we understand literally we have to become conscious of the original trauma this is very important to become aware of where the root is. It's usually in the conception and gestation period or birth. Yeah. Become aware of that original trauma. That's number one. And find a tool that we can use to get that trauma out of our nervous system so that we can end the traumatic repetition. And this may require... The younger you approach this, the quicker the healing's going to be. If you wait till you're 40, like I did, that's when I first started becoming aware of this. It can take quite a long time and quite a lot of repetition is necessary in the healing process to actually get it out of our system. Right. So if you're in your 20s, I encourage you to approach healing for your own prenatal and birth trauma now before You have children so that you don't recreate it.
0: You know, it's so hard for those younger people to recognize that, hey, you've got these patterns. The sooner you figure this out and take responsibility for your own healing, the better it is. I can tell you right now, like if you're if you're in your 20s, if you're in your teens or 20s and you're listening to this, I hope you take this to heart because you know, you'll just repeat the cycle and repeat the cycle. It's like banging your head against a wall until you start to take responsibility for yourself and start to heal these, uh, you know, these traumas that do go all the way back for almost all of us to conception because our parents were unprepared and our parents' parents, you know, and our and our great and great grandparents. I mean, they've been affected by, you know, uh, an unhealthy sexuality not to mention political oppression, wars, i mean, you know, so much trauma, we as a species have to start to take, you know, real responsibility for a massive healing that has to happen across the board yes. if we're yes. going to if we're going to take the reins back from these people that are taking advantage of the trauma and continuing the traumatic cycles.
1: And the thing for for all of us and especially for the young ones is that we don't want your pain to be perpetuated by you giving birth to another child in trauma mm-hmm. because the suffering that you're going to endure watching your child suffer is off the charts okay and it's and it's going to be bad it's already bad for these kids they've got so much trauma yeah okay And let me say that the trauma started, I mean, the birth trauma started, what, in the late 1800s with the advent of this uh, Luciferian-controlled medical system. And the sexual trauma began in the 1950s with the manipulation of uh, sexuality through Kinsey's research. I'd say the late, the 1930s with the whole, uh, what was the... I'm trying to think of the word, where they had all these sexual shows and stuff in the 1920s and 30s.
0: Vaudeville, or I don't know if that's... Vaudeville,
1: yes, that's the word I was looking for. Okay, so the manipulation started in America, at least, around this time. And by the 50s, it was really escalating with the help of science, Kinsey's Science and the Luciferian Rockefeller Foundation Foundation. who's in cahoots with the Rothschilds, of course, and you, Hefner. All these people also emanate from the same Luciferian cult, often called Judaism. So we need to be aware of this, because you'll see that who's behind pornography, who's behind the medical system. They're all coming out of this, this same tribe, uh, which is a Luciferian order. But it is all Luciferian at, at its roots, and mm-hmm. we're now you know, 100 years into the control system.
0: Well, one of the things I, I've been thinking about, too, because we've been talking about it, is that there is such a spectrum of abuse. And it's, you know, we talk a lot about the the satanic abuse or the Luciferian abuse that takes it all the way to this, you know, pedophiliac, ritual, sodomy kind of situation. But I've also, like I've been reading a psychologist lately that just talks about, the other end of, of the spectrum, the damage that's done by what she just calls childhood emotional neglect. Like if you're just, if your parents just don't know how to have that solid a connection to you, it's amazing the damage that can be done just because of that, without even any overt physical abuse or sexual abuse or anger in the household or alcoholism or anything like that. If your parents just can't, aren't healthy enough to have that connection that that and to let you know that you're wanted, Uh, it's enough to cause long-term damage. So, you know, that's just another reminder that bringing children into the world is something you've got to take really seriously and you want to be in a good place and do it from a conscious perspective, even though so many forces in in this world are creating these these unconscious, uh, out-of-control situations where conception is so haphazard. Will you talk for a few minutes about Before we close, I really wanted to to talk about what masturbation addiction or pornography addiction does to people. Because uh, you spent a little bit of time talking about the the neurological imprint that that does. And, um, I mean, it's just so easy to have access to it these days. It's actually crazy over the Internet. And so many young men especially are just sucked into it. And then this automatically dissociates them, you know, I mean, from being able to have a healthy sexuality Uh, But also you talk about what the hypertrophism, the small, I mean, it actually has like physical impacts on, on your, your neural development and your frontal lobe development that can affect you long-term. So can you get into that a bit?
1: Yeah, they call it hyperfrontality. When you, uh, when you repetitively masturbate to images on a screen, it actually causes some, uh, a level of brain damage to the frontal lobes. Okay. And the frontal lobes are part of the braking system <laughs> you know they right. the frontal lobes are allow us to make choices about things but when you've masturbated enough to pornography you lose that breaking system you become willing to masturbate at work for example and risk your job or masturbate at home uh, with your wife in the next room okay and risk your marriage and uh, you know most marriages that are many marriages anyway that are breaking up have some form of pornography that's involved in the marital dissolution Mm -hmm. Um, so I can't go into the topic of what it's doing to the brain in a short time because it's very, it's a very deep topic of how it's controlling the dopamine releases and um, what's happening to young boys, okay, is that they are being – they're developing neurological highways. So they masturbate to an image on a screen over and over again from the time they're nine. 10, 11. So now they've developed neurological highways, okay, that become so wired, so thick, that when they are interacting with the real woman, they have erectile dysfunction Mm -hmm. because they do not associate an interaction with a real woman as something that is similar to how they've been getting off with an image on a screen. So we are seeing a large number of young men under 25 who cannot get erections with real women.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. and. The other thing that it makes me think about is that it must open people up to all kinds of addiction issues, too, because once that breaking system is off, you can end up with alcoholism or cigarette smoking or marijuana addiction or cocaine addiction. I mean, you've got to chase that dopamine somehow, and you don't have the natural ability any longer to be able to say, oh, this is when enough is enough. (laughs) So.
1: Right. You can't you can't you feel like you can't stop. And anyways, they can't stop. They keep going and going. There's another very insidious aspect to pornography, and that is the people who control the industry because they're Luciferians and Satanists. They do rituals on the sets, right, to put demons into the porn films. And they do this so that these demonic energies will be unleashed in the lives of people who watch the pornography. And so these demons then become part of the experience of very young boys, of course of adults as well, who are watching pornography. And once you let them into your life, it's not easy to get them out. And most people think that they can't get them out. They become interested in all kinds of aberrations. For example, uh, having sodomy with men who are dressed as women, okay? It's very, very intense. Mm -hmm. The aberrations that are being created, the sexual compulsions that are being created through these demonic forces, and which are, of course, bringing all kinds of Luciferian energies into the person's life. And this is what they've been, that's been the goal, is to bring everybody in to the Luciferian order right. to bring us all with them into this hellish reality where there is no love. There's only orgasm. There's only sex. And many of us have, have gone there to varying degrees. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it's fascinating. Like it really, I, I see it as, I, I just see it as this, uh, well, the idea of dissociation, but separating your emotional connection. And then reducing everything to this very materialistic, very base, instinctual, uh, you know, superficial kind of pleasure without and then no, no ability to empathize uh, and and then really, you know, losing the ability to make your own choices for yourself as like you describe it, at following the creator's path, what you've been given, what your own personal destiny is. You have to have a certain amount of, you know, personal strength. To stand up and say this is what I want for myself and when you're controlled by you know gratuitous sexual behavior or other addictions and other compulsions
1: and you think that's what you want you think that's what you really want okay that's the thing you believe that that's what you really want that's what you're after what I'm after is good sex what I'm after is this intergenerational cosmic sexual union (laughs) right where there's multiple expanded orgasms all day long every day you know that's what i really want so okay this is what people believe this is what they've been trained to believe and many believe i did too yeah (laughs)
0: you
1: know i'm guilty of this i'm not coming but you said something else that's very important about the dissociative sex stuff which is that they are being conditioned through pornography to have sex that separates them from their heart to have sex that separates them from their emotional body This is not about love at all. This is a complete severation severance mm-hmm. Love. Okay, it's a complete lust when you're dealing with pornography. There's no love. There's no connection. There's no humanity There's no heart it's all body parts coming together, or something much more vulgar than even that. Right. And this is what happens to people also when they're having sex, then, is that they also dissociate. They check out, they're not there, they're having sex with somebody else in their mind. They're not even with the person whose body that they're entering. Mm-hmm. Dissociation. Of course, it happens as in, in infancy when they're circumcised because they are getting aroused. The doctors or the nurse will get a baby boy aroused before they jam a sharp metal instrument in between the glands of the penis and the foreskin. They jam that in the penis and then separate. Okay, so the baby, of course, is going to dissociate, it's going to leave its body in order to deal with the intensity of the trauma. And of course, most of the people involved in pornography are circumcised men. This is no, it's Israel and America. They're the biggest, Mm -hmm. the biggest clients, the people who control the industry, totally. Interesting. All right, these are men who have been damaged, extremely in infancy by the Luciferian forces at the request of their parents. Please circumcise my son.
0: Right. Yeah, I was talking to a friend yesterday who had heard our previous conversation and was like shocked to come to the personal realization that, you know, we've talked about as a culture or at least, you know, he and I had heard about certainly female genital mutilation that those crazy tribes in Africa do, or what, you know, and the, how horrible that is. And then suddenly oh, he, people. he was like, you know, they, they did that to me, you know, like, this is what, you know, we should all be enraged about this. And it's so true, uh, that it's amazing that this, this has been so normalized.
1: much un- of pain mm-hmm. in, in- You know, I I was recently in Europe, and the level of emotional uh, capacity with European men is very different, because they're intact. Yeah, 80% of the world's men are intact. But something has happened to American men, and to Israeli men. And it really does stunt their capacity for the full depth of human emotion. They've been harmed, and it takes a great... Uh, Courage and a great love to be willing to try to heal that to see that to acknowledge it to grieve What you've been through what we've all been through because as women in the lives of these men, you know Who are dissociating during sex because they've been tortured in infancy because they've become addicted to pornography you know There's so much grief in our society all around for men and women because of this yeah we should be fucking up in arms at this point we should be taking torches through the street to burn these bastards who've done this to us
0: yeah it's amazing i hope people can listen to this message and really start to wake up as i mean it all starts with awareness and then with awareness can come uh, you after that you still have to actively pursue the healing process uh in order to really get over What really? I mean, it's amazing to come to the realization. I mean, I've had just in the last couple of months pursuing this, kind of starting with our initial conversation, and then the couple of interviews I've managed to do uh, in the last six weeks or so has really opened my mind to the amount of trauma that we are all experiencing on this subtle level. And until we raise our awareness to that place and then make the choices to heal, it's just not. It's going to keep on happening. So I hope that more and more people can understand and start to make, you know, start to get out of this unconscious place and start to make the choices consciously with awareness that can improve, you know, break this cycle and start to get back towards that loving state again, because we're getting.
1: That's part of what I do. And I realize that my my work is painful for people. It's painful to hear this. Yeah. My part of my work is to help break through the mind control and to reach people in a place where the mind control does break down, that it begins to break down at the very least, and they begin to see things in a way that they weren't able to before. The other part is if you need help with healing, I do teach people a system of energy medicine that. That I have used on myself and continue to use on myself every day that has brought me tremendous healing. Mm-hmm. So that's part of also counseling, teaching people how to help themselves in the healing process and also helping people prepare for birth um, is something else i'm doing but if you find if you are circumcised and need help if you're addicted to porn and need help go to my website at birth of a new feel free to contact me to my website if i can help you in any way or lead you to resources i will do that
0: yeah i mean it's a it's a transition that we all have to have i guess we just have a few minutes left Um, And I know at the end of the DVD, you do talk about solutions. We've already talked about a few solutions. One thing that popped into my mind that I wanted to talk about really quickly is this. We have so many of us as family units have allowed the school systems to educate our children about sex. And it is actually difficult to have those conversations with your kids and to, you know, to learn how to help them figure this out. But, uh, you know, as a family, we have to take responsibility for this back. ourselves and not let the school systems do this. Uh, You've you've talked about home birth, you've talked about other avenues, you want to just spend a few minutes here, kind of, you know, I, I think what mostly what you're talking about is being able to break away from this system, this system that's become all so all pervasive so that we can make choices about ourselves and our families and how we deal with this responsibly.
1: Taking responsibility, okay, for the children, number one, it is not normal for parents to be handing their children over to somebody else to raise at five years old. This is also part of the Rockefeller plan
0: yeah.
1: was to get, you know, women's lib is also part of this, to get women out of the home so they could get their hands on the kids and begin the programming early. But this is not appropriate and now they're strangling us financially, forcing women to get out of the home. Um mm-hmm. uh, for financial reasons so that they can get their hands on the kids but we need to be homeschooling our kids that's number one taking responsibility for educating them and we should absolutely make it our priority too to understand what we're talking about here today in terms of how we have participated in this reckless sexual activity okay to understand what is the truth about this Mm -hmm. what is the truth about sex What is the truth about love? What is more important, okay? And how can we convey? We can't convey this information unless we understand it ourselves. That's part of the problem. So that's why we're all uncomfortable talking about sex. I'm not at all. I can talk to a three-year-old about it. I have no problem conveying that what they're teaching them is wrong. Right. (laughs) Okay. I was sitting with a 3-year-old and some transgender thing came on a television. I would say to that 3-year-old, you see they're trying to control your mind. This is not normal. This is pollution. I would say it directly. As a mother, as an aunt, as a as a human adult, mm-hmm. you know, we have discomfort because we recognize that we haven't integrated in ourselves what the divine program really is. And so we need to make that a priority, that we are determined to integrate that, into to understand that, integrate that. Read the Ringing Cedars books. Go to ringing like a bell, cedars like the trees, ringingcedars.com, and read those books. Okay, volume one, uh, edition one or two, not edition three. Edition three is translated by Marion Schwartz. Mm. It is a complete corruption. (laughs) It's not the one you want to get. Okay, you want, it's nine books, and you want either edition one or edition two of those nine books, and they will help you. They will help you integrate the truth of creation the truth of the divine program. This is what we all need to do at this time. They helped me enormously. They are the most important books I have ever read. I think they're the most important books that exist on the planet. But making our spiritual development our number one priority is the greatest gift that we can offer to our children so that they can be then imprinted with what we know
0: Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned that I thought, even though this seems like very challenging to a lot of parents is to ask to actually be able to admit to your children when you've made mistakes and to ask forgiveness and to start that healing process for them by by giving them an awareness, you know, you you know, I'm not a perfect person. And here's where. I was confused when I was raising you and when the way you were conceived or what, you know, being able to go over the birth story with your child and then ask for forgiveness where you weren't 100 percent in control of what was going on. Um, I mean,
1: it's very, very important. Even if we take the case of circumcision, for example, you have two different kind of parents. Okay, you've got parents that immediately think, oh, my God, what have I done? when they understand, okay, when they hear what's really involved. And those are the kinds of parents that can create a deep healing with their children, okay, because they're grieving for what they've done and how stupid they were, all right? And then there's another kind of parent that will dig their heels in even deeper Mm -hmm. and insist that what they did was right, and they won't apologize. And this will create more of a severance in their relationship with their sons okay when that son becomes conscious of what happens to him and he what happened to him and he seeks a parent to say i'm sorry and that parent needs to say i'm sorry yeah. in order to create a healing for that for that son and between them and their son that son, that boy, that man or that developing man needs a a parent to be a parent and say, I'm sorry, I didn't know, I'm sorry, I was tricked. And I realize it hurts you. As soon as you say that, okay, there's going to be a heart opening between you and your child. Mm -hmm. This is the most fundamental, beautiful healing, is to have that heart moment. And it's such a simple thing. Why would you deny that to your child? By by sticking to your guns and saying, "Yeah, I hurt you, and i do it again because yeah. it, it was the right thing to do."
0: Well, that it's it is amazing. The denial is. I mean, I, never. I say it. I say it over and over again. Never underestimate the power of denial. It's just amazing that people can. You know, they. It's. Challenging to admit that you were wrong and it's hard to have that awareness to be able to take that step back and and be able to make that apology from your heart. It really is. But, um, you know, like you were just describing, it's that's the first step. That's what's got to start happening for this healing process to really begin and then to start having generations of babies that are healthy and happy and are participating in, you know, a love relationship and a powerful family bond. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so for us to understand the importance of that, of, of healing ourselves so that we can create a loving union, so that we can conceive our children consciously, so that we can gestate them in wombs where they're loved and wanted, so that we can birth them in environments that are loving, okay, it all requires our own spiritual development and awareness, which should be our, our number one priority. Mm-hmm. Yes?
0: Well, all right, Janice, I think we're going to have to call it. It's been great talking to you again. I absolutely appreciate the work that you're doing. I love this, you know, yin and yang of of sex and birth and discovering how, you know, this control grid has really, you know, this social engineering pattern has been imposed on us to really limit our full potential as human beings. And I hope more and more people can become aware of it and take responsibility.
1: Please get my DVD DVD set. (laughs) That uh, so that you understand it more deeply. It's called Human Sexuality, Pornography, and the Attack on Human Love on my website at birthofanewearth.com. That that DVD set will help you understand a lot of how this has happened.
0: Yeah, very good. And I uh, I can't recommend Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine as well. Uh, lots of great information. Birthofanewearth.com. I hope everyone will check it out. And just to remind everybody once more, if you like what you're listening to, then please think about becoming a patron of The Shift. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. Check us out on Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at D. McKenty And check out my website at www.theshiftnow.com for more information. All my archives are there so you can hear all the rest of the programs. And uh, leave a comment for me if you have any... uh, any desires for uh, maybe other episodes or people that you'd like to hear me interview, please don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, so thanks again, Janice. Really appreciate Thank
1: it. You, Doug. I always appreciate the deep conversation. Thanks so much. For
0: sure. And send me any more, you know, any other people that you uh, think I should interview. I'm really, uh, I enjoy doing Sandra. That was, uh, that came from Janice. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, I can keep up the conversation with lots of other people because raising the awareness is what it's all about and trying to get, kickstart this healing process, you know. All right,
1: Doug. Will do.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks,
1: everybody.
0: We'll keep in touch.
1: Okay, bye for now.
0: Take care.